0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised.
1: On this week's Court TV podcast, the verdict is in. Amber Geiger has been found guilty of murder. Does she deserve the maximum penalty? Was it a mistake for Amber Geiger to testify in her own defense? And how did emotions play into the verdict? Plus, we'll preview the next big case that is sure to captivate the nation. A bizarre case of murder for hire that will take us into the world of swingers.
0: This is the Court TV Podcast with Vinny Politan and Seema Iyer.
2: Welcome to the Court TV Podcast. I am Vinny Politan with Seema Iyer, my colleague. Hello. Great to see you. Great yes. to see you. And it's great to have uh, folks joining us for the first time. And if it's your first time, uh, buckle your seatbelts because we're going to get into, we're going to go deep into the law today. That's what we do. We're both lawyers.
1: We are both lawyers. And sometimes we go on television, too.
2: Yeah, exactly. On TV. And you can watch us. You can uh, uh, see us on television. But Seema loves doing the podcast more, more than, than television because she doesn't like to get all dressed up. She likes to dress down and feel comfortable. What am and I wearing? Be, and be yourself. I'm so, myself. So this is the real Seema we get here. Absolutely. On the
1: I think our bosses won't let me go full throttle Seema on the television. Right. But the podcast bosses, they're more generous with my authenticity, which I love. So... The big news, the verdict that has stunned the nation. Here it is.
0: We, the jury, unanimously find the defendant, Amber Geiger, guilty of murder as charged in the indictment. No outburst. Wow.
1: Vinny, guilty. Geiger, murder, first degree. We didn't expect it. I did. No, you did
2: not. Yes, I did. I can't
1: believe, listen, we go 30 seconds into the podcast, we're in a fight. No, you did not. Why are you looking in your pockets for things?
2: Well, if you want me to prove it, I'll show you a text that I sent to folks uh, uh, predicting it.
1: W- was I Before, one of the folks? No. Was I on the no, group text?
2: No, 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 no. I you, need
1: to get on that group no, text. No,
2: because then you would go on the air saying, Vinny is predicting this.
1: Because, no, every you, time we no. go on the air, you say manslaughter. You thought manslaughter. You did not think murder was. I
2: absolutely thought murder. Oh, I absolutely thought I, murder. I, and, and by the way, I'm not going to show it to you. I'm not going to show it to you because I don't need to. The people who got when it do I, got Hey, it. when do, I'm not saying you those types Now that we have a
1: podcast of- of- together, when do I get your cell you, phone number?
2: SEMA does not have the filter... Like you can like you can have a fill you can have a discussion with a, a coworker, right? And then it's kind of an understanding. This is sort of off the record, but whatever you say to Seema could end up on the air.
1: It so I don't send her does. those texts. Again, I don't even have your cell phone number. And how long have we uh, now been friends and known each other? <laughs> That's purposeful. Okay, so okay.
2: So I was not surprised, and I'll tell, tell you why me. I was surprised, not surprised. Um, because she got on the witness stand and admitted to all the elements of murder. OK, so the question was, was the jury going to say not guilty or were they going to say murder? And there was no way that she was walking out of that courtroom with a not guilty. And, and that would have been the, that would have been the only verdict that would have surprised me in this case. Manslaughter would have been a compromise and, and uh, a hung jury. All right. They couldn't agree, but they agreed. And it was murder. And I'm not surprised.
1: I think that, and hey, listeners, if you haven't listened to our last episode, we really distinguished the difference of Texas murder one statute compared to other states. Plus, we talk about manslaughter. And I think that is something that really factored in to this jury's decision. That is, in the murder one statute of Texas, there is no premeditation requirement. There is no malice aforethought requirement. And I commend these jurors because it is It is easy to say we are going to follow the law judge. We are going to do our job. But if you look at the elements and you see in murder one in Texas, all you need is the part that would apply, the intent, the intent and knowing. So those are the big ticket words that this jury followed. And like you said, when Amber Geiger testified, she said Intent to kill. Did right. you have intent to kill?
2: Right, and and that's ultimately what this case was about. Was at the moment was was at the moment that she shot and killed both John. She thought he was an intruder. I believe she thought he was an intruder, but she intentionally shot him because she thought he was an intruder. Now the defense was going for the complete not guilty because she made a mistake. But that there are mistakes, and then there are mistakes, and and this just went to a level where I don't think any jury could have looked at it and said, okay, we understand you made a mistake, so uh, we're going to let you go today because it it just can't work that way. It it can't work that way. You cannot be home eating ice cream and someone comes in and shoots you and it's not a crime.
1: Exactly. Now, just to be clear, because I, I really want the listeners to understand how we think this verdict was decided, and a lot of it has to do with the law because it was a confusing case. There were two defenses, essentially, the mistake of fact defense as well as self-defense. Now, the prosecution was trying to get the jury to believe that her mistake, because everybody agrees it was a mistake. Everyone knows it's the wrong apartment. No one is disagreeing it was a mistake. The question is, was the mistake reasonable? And to me, this verdict says that the mistake, the jury found the mistake was unreasonable. So therefore, if the mistake is unreasonable, they don't even need to look at Justification, self-defense.
2: Right, and and think about making an argument about self-defense when you are the intruder, and the you're claiming self-defense. You're initiating everything. You are going into someone else's apartment and then claiming self-defense. It's it, it just defies logic. And I understand that they were trying to follow the black letter of the law, but it didn't work that way. And that reaction in the courtroom uh, spoke Ooh, volumes yes. about this case uh, because you're you're talking about a a family that I don't think they were expecting justice. Like I said, I, I was not surprised. I believe who was surprised was the family and supporters of Botham John. Because of the way this whole case transpired, right. they believed that they were not gonna get their slice of justice because-
1: from the the case started, the incident was September 6, 2018. She doesn't turn herself in until three days later to a different department. Texas Rangers took over the investigation. She only gets charged with manslaughter. It wasn't until the family got involved and the prosecution got involved. I think a, diff- a different prosecutor came on board, a different DA in that, in that county. It wasn't until November 30th, months later, where she was indicted for murder in the first degree. So the family had a right to be concerned. Also, okay, so you, we heard that verdict and that reaction. So did the jury, Vinny. So did the jury. Uh,
2: so did the and jury. why does that matter? It, it matters because the, the, the jury's work isn't done. They're also in charge of sentencing and, and doling out the punishment in the case. But one thing that happened with that with that reaction, which was unusual, most cases that I've covered through the years, before the verdict is read, before the jury comes in the room, the judge Addresses the gallery and says, listen, ladies and gentlemen, outbursts will not be allowed here. But hasn't she been doing this all along? But she didn't do it right before that moment. She said no outburst after the outburst. And most judges in in high-profile, highly charged cases, even um, ordinary cases, will tell folks in the gallery, listen, you can't do that in this courtroom. And this judge did so much to uh, shield this jury from any sort of influence from anyone. I was surprised that before the verdict, she did not tell everyone in the gallery on both sides. Whatever the verdict is, um, if you cannot control yourself, remove yourself from the courtroom now because your outburst will not be permitted, but the outburst happened. And from my perspective, it was, it was a real moment for people who did not expect justice who got justice.
1: And the outburst began with that clap and then it just went all haywire from there. But okay, so next, I think you and I need to really examine whether this verdict is a result of Amber Geiger taking the stand.
0: Follow Court TV live over the air, uninterrupted. If you're watching television with an antenna, just rescan your channels now to add Court TV. And go to courttv.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch Court TV in your area.
1: Hey, Vinny, you know what I love more than I love the podcast? What? A defendant testifying.
2: To me, um, it, oh, it's. wow. Again, I come back to, I want to find out what really happened here. And when the defendant doesn't testify, they don't have to. I've read the Constitution. Um, But when they do testify, I think we get a much clearer picture of what actually happened. uh,
1: Okay, but can we just have a tiny moment of levity? It's also really entertaining, isn't it? It's just entertaining in the captivating, wow, putting me back in that moment sense.
2: Exactly, getting closer to the truth.
1: Okay, I, you say because, truth, I say entertainment. But
2: anyway. Because a defendant is one of the people who was there, and in a murder yes. trial, many times they're the only other person who either was or was not there at the time. Yes. And we know for a fact that she was there. So whatever she was going to say was going to give us a perspective we could not get anywhere else.
1: Yeah, and it, it, I think what bothered me about so Amber Geiger testified, and what bothered me is that I did not feel that it was as authentic... Or revealing as I wanted it to be, I wanted to know more about what happened in that room in Botham Jean's apartment. I wanted—I know this is—I know this is hard to uh, reconcile, but I wanted more about him and what he was doing. And I'm not sure I completely got the picture because of her testimony.
2: I think the problem was she didn't know what he was doing.
1: She it happened so said. fast.
2: She got in, she saw someone, she perceived that maybe this person was a threat getting closer to her. And and that's when she fired. Now, I don't know if he was coming towards well, her. I don't know if he was standing up. I have wait, no yes, idea. Yes, you do,
1: yes, you do, yes you do, yes you do, because the medical examiner testified and the direction of the bullet, the direction where it was shot from only indicates that he was bent over. And if right. he was bent over, he was sitting on the couch or rising from the couch, which is inconsistent with what or she is saying. Or ducking
2: away. You don't uh, Come on, he could have been ducking away as After well. After the first shot. Yeah, maybe, maybe the first one is the one that goes over his head. I don't know. We don't know which one was well, first, which one see, was second.
1: That's, see, just from the jump, I just didn't believe a lot of what she was saying about how this occurred. And again... Which I, I also, part don't you believe? Okay, well, hold on. First... First, I don't believe where he was in the apartment. Second of all, I don't believe that she didn't know it was a black man. The questioning was very specific. The lawyer, her lawyer, was trying to get away from saying, yes, I saw a black man. And he did it this way. He said, "Uh, would you see silhouette? And again, folks, I'm just summing substance here. It's a summary. So she says she saw a silhouette. He specifically asked her, could you even tell if it was man or woman? She said, no. That all those questions, Vinny, are just set up to make sure that she has to say, I didn't see a black man.
2: Yeah, but the man or woman thing is actually bad for her. Because she should see someone who is much larger than her if he's oh, in yeah, fact coming yeah, towards yeah, her. And he should yeah. be able to tell that it's, it's a man. He spoke.
1: She said, hey, yeah, he said, hey, hey.
2: Hey, hey, hey.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so.
2: So that, the the biggest problem I have is that I know... In, in my mind, she was not 100% truthful, and it all begins with her relationship with her partner and part-time lover, Martin Rivera. She would not admit that they had plans that night despite text messages that said exactly that. Do
1: you think they, they had plans?
2: Absolutely. Okay, but but Martin Rivera question- doesn't want to talk about those plans because Martin Rivera is married to another woman.
1: Yes, but wait. And hold now on. if
2: she's gonna lie about that, she does not get the benefit of the doubt about any other oh, part okay. of her story. I, That's agree a with problem. You. I
1: agree with you. But let me ask you this question. Okay, so Martin Rivera testified for the prosecution that the last time that they had been uh intimate. 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 Oh, is that the word we're allowed to use? Intimate. Where is that list of Court TV words Sima's allowed to say and SEMA's not allowed to say? Okay, so intimate. Hopefully on
2: the wall in your office, so it's the last thing you see before you get on the air.
1: (laughs) So, anywho. uh, So, okay, uh, Martin Rivera testifies that the last time they were intimate was February of 2018. Right. Do you believe that, yes or no? No,
2: he's sending naughty pictures of himself.
1: so, So you don't think there's any way this was just sexting it was just no, flirtation
2: not at all not you at all because they, they in the text message they were talking about plans when are you coming over hello but
1: do you but don't you think sometimes and here's, another, just here's, get here's another there's another thing in that okay. here's
2: another thing she testified that Martin Rivera didn't even know where she lived, didn't know where he. Do you believe that? No, because when all this happens, she texts him, and says, "I need you." She doesn't send him an address as to where she is. He knows where she is at her apartment. You know what? And, that, and I believe he knows where it is.
1: I also think what made her look really bad is that she calls nine one one at nine fifty nine. She leaves the body of both them, John. She leaves him there, suffering. All she did was a sternum rub, which I have spoken. And one handed to- CPR. One hand. Is, I don't even. That's not I don't a know thing. That that's is. not a thing. That's not even a thing. That is. That's no, you're, she's people are making up words, but a sternum rub, you know what that is? And I spoke to a law enforcement expert. A sternum rub is what they do to like drunk people who are sitting on the street. Like they rub them with their chest like, hey, buddy, you awake. So that's what she did. Now, 959, she calls 901. She leaves him alone, suffering, perhaps almost dying, uh, but he's still alive. But what.
2: So why By do you, why do you think she's doing? That?
1: She's calling Rivera. Well, it's a Rivera. it's a
2: problem. It, it makes her look really bad, right? But why do you think she did it? Do do, do you think I she think did I think she
1: is a self-obsessed
2: not in a entitled panic? entitled
1: Oh yeah, she's a totally entitled person.
2: Entitled to what?
1: This is like a a thing that young people. She's entitled to she's only cares oh, about as herself. A, as a
2: millennial. Yeah,
1: like I a narcissistic, you. self-obsessed, entitled uh, myopic human being. She, he's dying next so, to her. She shot him and she's not even taking care of him. And you have said that you've seen cases where even when someone's in the midst of committing a crime, an officer shoots the person and the officer tries to save that life. I've what is she it. doing? Okay, yeah. but wait, here's the thing. She testifies and she's trying to sell us a whole new tune. Take a listen. I feel like a
0: terrible person. <laughs> I feel like a piece of crap. I hate it every- I hate that I have to live with this every single day of my life. <laughs> and I ask God for forgiveness and I hate myself every single day. I feel like I don't deserve the chance to be with my family and friends. <laughs> I wish he was the one with the gun and killed me. I never wanted to take an innocent person's life. <laughs> and I am so sorry. This is not about me. It's about being scared that my night.
1: My question to you is this. Was that a display of emotion consistent with remorse or fear? Oh my God, I may spend the rest of my life in prison.
2: No, I, I think there's, I, I think that night, what I heard of the 911 call was complete panic. Um, and, and what I see and hear with her and when she testified remember she broke down someone who is not good under stressful situations someone who should should not have been a police officer and i think at the end of the day um that's the way i see it Um, that's not an excuse for anything she did but to me, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm hearing. She's, I believe she is sorry. I believe she did not want to shoot an innocent person. I believe she shot but, someone because she was absolutely scared and she was panicked and she was not doing what she should but have done. all
1: of these things is because she's so selfish. I don't think she feels bad that this poor kid is dead. I really did not see that from her testimony. I think she feels bad for her.
2: Well, I, think, I, think it's, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Uh, I think she absolutely knows. I think knows- for her they are. I think she knows that she has destroyed her life, but I think she also realized she's killed a really good man and
1: um okay. feels Wait. and, and oh. is saying
2: something that I don't hear other murderers say, okay?
1: Okay, hold on a second. Wait for it. So the Botham John uh sadly dies on September sixth, twenty eighteen, a few hours after uh the incident, right? It was <laughs> a few days after, and this came out during her examination, a few days after she is texting with Martin Rivera about getting drunk and partying. Is that consistent with, I ask God for forgiveness. I hate myself every single day. I don't, I feel like I don't deserve a chance to be with my family and friends. I feel like I don't deserve to be a chance with my family and friends. She was trying to be with her part-time lover and partner just a few days after. And this is when both of Jean's family is trying to find out uh, the arrangements, funeral, all those things. And she's talking about partying. If you it's just inconsistent, Vinny, if you are depressed, if you are self-loathing, you wouldn't even have the wherewithal to go to a bar, to go out and get drunk, to have someone in your apartment.
2: I have to recuse myself from this part. And 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 the reason saying because I do not drink.
1: Oh god, I hate when you I throw I've never around. had so... alcohol. I do, do okay.
2: So as a result, Wait. I don't know what drives people to get I drunk. I can't
1: even you understand we have to do a whole episode on the fact that you've never had alcohol. I mean, you were a jock. You grew up in New Jersey. That, you, correct. The essence when you the essence correct. of New Jersey, it's not the Garden State, it's like the alcohol state. It's right. like the beer state. You spent. We've gone. You know. We've been to Belmar, not together, but separately. Yes. Like the whole essence of Belmar is drinking
2: the beach. No, it is. Jersey Shore. No, it isn't.
1: Okay. It is anyway, for some people, but
2: not for this guy. Well, this why would I drink? It is
1: for this guy. All right. Why? I, I hate when you do that. I hate.
2: Well, I hate when people hate, say, why don't you drink? And I, hate I say, why you, do you drink? Why?
1: Because there's a million reasons. And again, it won't fit into this podcast, but it would fit into maybe so a maybe future you could episode. So maybe you
2: as the alcohol expert, maybe you can explain a why future, someone would get, we, want to get drunk.
1: Again, we'll have a future 40-minute episode on the benefits of alcohol. Moving on. Now- That was direct examination, by the way. The tears, the I hate myself, I never wanted to take an innocent person's life, all on direct. On cross-examination, she changed her tune. Take a listen.
0: When you shot at Mr. John, you knew you were using deadly force against him. Yes. You know what a bullet can do, don't you? Yes, I do. And when you shot at him twice, you intended to kill him. Yes, sir. All right. So all this stuff about it being a, a sad mistake, at the moment in time, when rubber meets the road, when you pulled that trigger, you intended to kill Mr. John.
1: He was the threat, yes, sir.
0: Will you answer my question? When you aimed and pulled the trigger at Mr. John, shooting him in center mass, exactly where you are trained, you intended to kill Mr. John.
1: I did. And was that admission, Vinny? The reason this jury found her guilty of murder one.
2: Yeah, those are the elements of murder. And the prosecutor very skillfully got her to admit it and just rolled right through it. So once she does that, the question is, is this self-defense in some perverted way? And and the jury obviously said no to that. They did. But it's her own words. But I believe those are true words. That's that's the truth. And, and, And that's why I appreciate a defendant who takes the stand and tells the truth. And that part was absolutely true because there's no way that she recklessly or right. accidentally or right. inadvertently or mistakenly shot him. No. She shot him because she saw him, she aimed, she fired, she killed him.
1: And a pause for applause to the defense team because she did a very good job up there. She was very respectful. She was she answered the questions. I think her
2: attorney's prepped her well. Yeah, for her for her demeanor on, on cross-examination, absolutely. And the fact that she was emotional, right, in in her testimony, I thought was um, an important part of the case, because murderers usually don't act that way. But in this trial, when I think of the emotion of this case, I think of the lawyers. And I think the prosecution, in a very unusual move, used emotion over the law to win this case, and I want to break that down next.
0: For more Court TV, watch it on cable, over the air, Roku, or go to CourtTV.com and stream live gavel-to-gavel coverage. Catch up on the big moments from our current cases and relive some of Court TV's most historic trials. Court TV, your front row seat to justice. This was a trial that was
2: driven and a prosecution that was driven by emotion. And we always hear, you know, trials are about the facts and the law. Sure, they're about the facts and the law. But never underestimate, never undersell, never discount the emotion of a case. And I think it's an important element. And and in this trial, prosecutors had the emotion and they used the emotion. And the two emotions I'm talking about are, number one, both them John. Right. The emotion for the victim in this case, who was just a wonderful, wonderful man. Number two was the anger associated with this case, the outrage about the actions of this police officer and the fact that this defense team and this defendant have the audacity to come into court and claim the Castle Doctrine, the Castle Doctrine, which is the law that says when you are home in in your house... And in your castle, and someone invades your castle, no questions asked, the presumptions are on your side, you can use deadly force and take out that person, whoever they are. So you're home at night, someone breaks in, and maybe they don't want to kill you, they just want to steal something. No, you shoot and ask questions later, and you are good to go. Yeah. And they had the audacity audacity to argue that in this case, where Botham John is home in his castle and someone breaks into his home at night with a gun, which is Amber Geiger, and she kills him and is claiming castle doctrine? This is a perversion of the castle doctrine. I thought prosecutors did a great job oh, so of, good. of drawing this out and, and really uh, playing on the emotion of the case. Um, the other part here is okay. that prosecutors attack police, right, throughout this case.
1: Okay, but just to be clear, they attacked these police, not police as a whole, not law enforcement as a whole. They attacked this investigation. Right, they attacked the Dallas the, PD. The, yes, as the end, the Texas Rangers
2: and the Texas Rangers, as they should have, and Amber Geiger
1: and Amber Geiger. So she's the defendant. That
2: can be a problem in Texas. So um, uh, the prosecutor in his closing argument, I think your favorite prosecutor of all time. Okay, so
1: you know I always have a trial crush. I mean, you know, I mean, you get it, right? Like, I always have a trial crush. Okay. Sometimes it's a defense attorney. Fine is fine. Fine is so fine. I'm, uh, yeah, I really like him. What were you saying? I'm sorry, we were talking.
2: Yeah, okay. So he made a closing argument. Oh, right. The open closing argument, right? It was was passionate. It was filled with anger and indignation. So Good. But he also addressed this issue of police because I think he knew that they had spent five days pretty much attacking the police, and now at the end of the day, who knows what those jury what the jury thinks of police. They may you know there might be one, two, three, maybe six of them that really love police officers. So take a listen to the way he addressed that. A guilty verdict is not saying you don't like police. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with that defendant making unreasonable decisions that put her in that seat and Bo in the ground. That's what this case is about. That's that's just well, well said, well stated.
1: He, I got chills when I, I was listening, when this was happening, when the closing, when he said, put her in that seat and Bo in the ground. I am sorry, but this is the perfect display. When I say I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I, I'm making... The minimizing, but I think language, the way language is used, coupled with authentic emotion. A lot of prosecutors, they delivered their openings and closings, but this prosecutor, this team, was so invested in the loss of life. They delivered their arguments and their questioning like they lost one of their own family
2: members. Absolutely. And 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 it should be that way because they are representing the people and and but, and both of them. This is one remarkable. Of the this is remarkable. Absolutely. And after the verdict, you saw more emotion from them in the courtroom as the verdict is read. So this use of emotion, usually the defense is relying on that in cases, right? There's totally. outrage, the police, they're doing this, that, you know. But this whole case was turned upside down, and you had a defense team that wanted all the emotion gutted from the case. Take a listen.
0: Who would not have sympathy for? wonderful human being, died in these horrible, tragic circumstances. Who would not have sympathy for his family or anyone in that position? Everyone does. But that is not part of your consideration as a jury. You can't say, I feel so horrible, I'm going to make something happen. That's hard to do. You have to calmly review the evidence without that emotion.
2: I think that was the right approach for the defense and and yes there's an argument that emotion should have nothing to do with a verdict but through emotion we get to the truth.
1: Sometimes sometimes I think the defense should have spent more time in the path from the parking lot to the apartment to explain that it was a reasonable mistake. Because, again, this jury, in my opinion, did not even get to the Castle doctor and self-defense issue because they found the mistake to be unreasonable. Another problem that the defense did not re- did not at least address is that uh, if, you know, through their expert, with the tunnel vision, all of that, they they still didn't address why at the moment she's on top of this red mat she is still engaged in tunnel vision. She said on the stand, I, I, you know, did you notice a red mat? No. There needs to be more. I think the jury, a lot a lot of people that I've spoken to, comments online, people are still harped on that red mat issue. And I think this is part of the reason. And the defense didn't address it enough.
2: Yeah. And, and these closing arguments, such a contrast. One filled with emotion from the prosecution. The other one trying to get the jury uh, onto the facts and the law and, and to almost— not see the trees through the forest. And you can hear, sure, the, you can sure. hear the, the entire closing arguments on CourtTV.com. We've got them posted up there for you. But to me, this is such a departure. And if I looked at this case with those bl- that tunnel vision and those blinders that the defense wanted me to, I could have seen a not guilty verdict here. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because you don't think the mistake was reasonable. I actually think the mistake was reasonable because 23% of the people who were surveyed, who lived on the third and fourth floor of that apartment complex, made the same exact mistake that Amber Geiger did, putting her key fob into the wrong But they didn't kill
1: anybody! They didn't kill anybody! What are you talking about?
2: That's because the doors were not. And wait a minute. Hold on a second. A jar. Wait,
1: wait for it. The, and somebody should have checked this 23% because did any of them have a red mat? I am sorry, but this is the you're ignoring that. How does wait a the red mat not wake wait people up? You can get me to every, you can get me to the apartment door, you can get me to the wrong floor, you can do all that. But she should have snapped out of it the minute that it wasn't just red. It wasn't like maroon red. It was bright, it was red, and it was the only welcome mat on that entire floor floor I you're you, no, no, it wasn't reasonable,
2: so you what so what's unreasonable about it that she has a duty to be looking down?
1: you don't have to be looking down. If you're looking at your phone in your peripheral vision, you would see the red mat,
2: but she didn't. do we agree that she didn't?
1: I think she says she didn't.
2: You actually think she saw no, the red? No, no, I don't know. No, okay.
1: okay, that's why it's unreasonable. That's what's unreasonable. Her, she should she, have. she You're should, have. should have. She should have because I'm saying she's too self-involved and narcissistic, I. and that's why it's unreasonable. It but is unreasonable.
2: Twenty-three percent. That's like without one out of. Or Without putting going their in. keys in the wrong door in this apartment complex. Without killing anybody. By the way, the apartment nobody complex changed the colors of the floor. Oh, because nobody else's door was ajar when they went in. Oh, wait, Nobody hold else on, had hold a on, gun. Hold on,
1: hold on. Nobody else hold on. had a ajar gun. Jar is her word. She uses the word ajar in that affidavit to the Texas door? Rangers. And then she used the word cracked. On the stand, we do not know how The door
2: was not shut all the way. We know the door didn't shut when the Texas Ranger went there. I
1: agree with that, and so it was also unreasonable that she puts the thing in and she sees the light. You're using the
2: emotion to win this argument. Exactly what happened in court, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I'm just so upset about this case. It's exactly, but that's but that is exactly what happened in court, and I and I think properly so because at the end of the day, if you believe this mistake was reasonable, and then you, in a perverse way now have to do make-believe and, and make-believe that she's going into her own apartment and then make-believe that Botham John is in her apartment, then self-defense applies. That was the road to not guilty, but it was so perverse that you've got you've to make the jury pretend that Botham John is in her apartment, which to me was too much. That, that's, that's one step too far that you're making this, this uh, jury go down this slippery slope. So they didn't buy it. Murder, a good conviction, and, yes. I, and I think the, the, the community can take a moment to exhale and heal. Yes. Now, Yeah. gavel to gavel, trial to trial. What's that's next, man? What, that's what we do on CORE TV. Coming up, it's the case of Dr. Teresa Seavers. She was a doctor in Florida, bludgeoned to death in her own home with a hammer while her husband and her children were in Connecticut with family. Now, the man who admitted to this murder is the doppelganger, I love that word, (laughs) and best friend of the doctor's husband. But now he is pointing the finger at two other people, including his best friend, the doctor's husband. We'll talk about that case next.
0: Court TV is everywhere.
2: This is Court TV, your front row seat to justice.
0: With live gavel to gavel trial coverage, we'll
2: bring you the most compelling trials across our nation. I am a
0: homicidal maniac. On the air, online, in your pocket. You'll see and hear
2: all the evidence. Can you take the hose and squeeze it?
0: And streaming free on Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV.
1: The verdict is in.
0: Court TV, your front row seat to justice.
2: next big trial on Court TV is a case involving a brutal, bludgeoning murder of a doctor down in Florida. Her name, Teresa Sievers. She was married with children, and she was coming back from a, a family get-together in Connecticut, comes back down to Florida, and is home while her husband and children are still away. Okay. Someone comes into that home, bludgeons her to death with a hammer. Turns out that the first man to admit to this murder, being a part of this murder, is a guy named Curtis Wright. Okay. And kind of looks like our producer a little bit.
1: <laughs> producer Dave.
2: Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of hair, but does have a goatee. <laughs> He's a big guy. and it. it Wait, tur- you don't think it's Producer Dave? No. Okay, no oh, no, it's oh, no, separate. Okay, okay, oh He has an alibi. All right, alibi. you just got me
1: nervous a little bit.
2: Yeah, I verified that before Thanks. today's recording. Thanks. So- Um, he gets arrested for this and admits to it, and he's got a deal for 25 years, but he now is pointing the finger and implicating his best friend, who is the doctor's husband, Mark Seavers, and then another friend of his from the neighborhood in Missouri where he lives. Because he lives in Missouri. The murder takes place in Florida, okay?
1: Okay. his neighborhood
2: in Missouri, which is a mobile home community neighborhood.
1: But didn't Curtis Wright go and hit up his friend? Yeah, well, well, the the other
2: person that he's pointing the finger at is Jimmy Rogers,
1: who they know as
2: the who has a nickname allegedly the hammer. I
1: love that. That's a great nickname,
2: the hammer. Not for him for this trial because the murder weapon is a hammer.
1: Oh, right. Wow.
2: Yeah, you didn't. Yeah, two and two together. There, (laughs) it's not good for him. No, it's not. Yeah. So, anyway, this is the next big trial, and so. Curtis Wright has admitted to the murder and has implicated two people, but there's going to be two separate trials, one for the husband and one for Jimmy the Hammer, the alleged hitman in all of this
1: which makes perfect sense because oftentimes there is severance when you have a group of defendants involved in a similar case conspiracy case right a lot of times the defendants are pointing the finger at each other if vinnie and i were on trial i would certainly point the finger at vinnie all day long so we would have separate trials
2: and that's what's taking place so jimmy rogers is going to be tried first before the husband and they're, they were trying to get Jimmy Rogers. To flip, to flip, yeah. They want him to take a deal. I don't know what that deal would be. He's facing the death penalty. Mark Severs, the doctor's husband, is also facing the death penalty in this case.
1: And Curtis Wright, isn't he snitching?
2: He's already pled guilty, so he's going to for, t- for twenty-five years. Right? He's just he's one of the star witnesses.
1: Okay, so he'll be testifying against the hammer. Right, He's going to bring the hammer down. Well, they're going to talk yeah, a lot about well, hammer. Here's, here's a question, it's like you know, Hammer City.
2: The other key, and there's a, and this case is really a lot about relationships. And I think you're going to hear a lot of testimony from the... Ooh, get girlf- into it. Go. So girlfriends excited. and wives are involved Because? Here. Okay, wait.
1: You know, listen.
2: Calm down. I've been waiting
1: for this. Calm down. This is all I care about. I'm going about. to read
2: to you an official court document, ladies and gentlemen. This is a oh, motion in limine. Okay? A motion in limine is a motion made uh, by a party that wants to limit certain evidence from being included in the trial. So the defendant, Mark Seavers, in his case, okay. filed this motion in limine pertaining to defendant's... Sexual activity. Yes! Okay. And and in the motion, these are court documents. I'm not making this up. There is evidence that the defendant participated in numerous extramarital sexual encounters with the full knowledge and consent of his spouse. Love it. Who would be the victim, Dr. Teresa Seavers. The practice of an open marriage or swinging I love this. ...is neither unlawful nor charged as a concurring offense. There appears to be no relationship between the death of Dr. Seavers and the consensual sexual activity. There is no evidence that the Seavers' lifestyle has any link to the death of Dr. Seavers. Accordingly, the evidence of Seavers' sexual proclivities is inadmissible for want of probative value. They have subsequently... um, Withdrew? withdrawn this motion.
1: Okay, because you know, Vinny, I, we've been on air for a while, right? and I've been waiting for a really long time for a sex-positive trial, because but, you know I'm sex-positive, so now my time is here. So, I'm ready. So
2: let's read the tea leaves Cora here. TV is Why ready would Mark Sievers perhaps want the swinging lifestyle as part of his trial? Is it a way to perhaps point the finger at point his doppelganger? Finger,
1: point the finger, Curtis at, right, which we know. I heard that Teresa Severs. Who, uh, was also attracted to Doppelganger Wright.
2: So well, here's, put it on Wright. Here's, here's what the reports are saying. That Mark Severs, yes, the husband of the doctor, kept the a diary on his calendar. And one of the entries in his calendar was about his wife telling him about her fantasies to be with
1: Curtis his Wright.
2: friend Curtis Wright, the man who's admitted to murdering her. So I think they go with it.
1: I think they go with it. I think they have to embrace the Swinger lifestyle, uh, not only for the trial, but also for Seema Ires entertainment and i think all uh, seriousness all seriousness i think it's a smart defense because it's a way that mark sievers can put the onus on curtis wright as well as rogers of course and
2: jimmy rogers may do it as well at his trial so that is the next big case on court tv yes
1: happening that's where we're
2: going that's where we're going Anyway, folks, uh, thanks so much uh, for listening to the podcast, and please give us a five star review and 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 write and something nice write about SEMA. something.
1: No, yes, you're right because they're only writing nice See? things about Vinny. Right. It's like Vinny, 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 Vinny.
2: So yeah, yeah, write something nice about SEMA. Come on. <laughs>
1: Does
2: your mom listen to the podcast? Have her do hey, a she, review. She
1: no, but you know what? You know what? Oh wait, she did a review, and what did she write? Vinny, 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 Vinny. Ah, you know, ah, you know, she's like, really like inappropriately obsessed with you like it's 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 really inappropriate she has such a crush on vinnie politan it's really
2: embarrassing um, by the way if you want to see that next big trial on core tv and you have a television and you're frustrated because you don't have the channel right Rescan your channels it's very simple because core tv is all over the place so if you haven't scanned your television recently it's time to rescan.
1: And please, you know, with the new episodes, we drop every Thursday, post them on Facebook, tweet them out, let your friends know. We really, you know, we're needy here at Core TV. We want you to listen. Everybody's interested in what we're doing. And we love the feedback. Very grateful.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening. And, and Seema, uh, thank you so much for, for not dressing up for this podcast.
1: <laughs> thank you, I, Vincent. I, 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 oh.